Podcast, Podcast 105. The date today is, uh, you know, January 22nd on a Sunday of 2017. And if uh, you don't know what's going on, you got a couple championship games going on. So uh, I'm your host, David Palermo. You can find me on Twitter, NumBillsFan. And uh, alongside me, we have uh, another guy. I'm I'm not I'm nowhere near you, dog. It's your boy Adam D on the hotline. What's up? Find me on Twitter. Numbills Adam D. Oh yeah. Ladies hit him up. Very available. Very, very good looking. And I would rub his beard. And he could you know, you need technical support. That's your guy. Why do you think he's on the podcast? Because I don't know anything. <sighs> well, there's that. <sighs> Thanks for that uh, glowing endorsement. All we do is glow here at Nump Bills Fan Podcast. So, look, let's be real here. I'm going to get the excuses out of the way. Um, people are wondering why we have such a gap. We've never had a gap this big between podcasts. Um, I'll be honest with you, this coaching search has just absolutely drained me. And I don't mean to sound like other people who write for the paper and they hate their job that I rip on all the time. But uh, really, sorry for the gap, but just gathering the the information. Sean McDermott was pretty predicted um, as far as what the Bills wanted. But we're going to dive all into that. We just want to get our shit together, frankly. Right, there was a lot of dust, and we let some of it settle. Right, so, oh man, I don't even know, like, where to, you know, I for a while, I didn't even know where to begin with all that, you know, so, don't forget, check us out, numbillsfan.com, it has all of our content up there, a lot of podcasts, up to, well, pretty much every one. Uh, Scott Gamble, 13, sometimes writes some articles, at least during the season he did. And uh, you can find him on Twitter as well, Scott Campbell 13 And Instagram, Scott Campbell 13 um, That's our boy. That's right. Wednesday nights. What do we do Wednesdays, Deeks? Uh, you don't want to know. Oh, the, the other thing. Okay, now we do Facebook Live. Um, so, yeah, get in on that. Go over, follow us on Facebook, at No Bills Fan on Facebook. And uh, Dave said, every Wednesday night at 7 p.m., we hop on, we chat with everybody. Um, and that's presented by BillsForLife.com. Yeah, really good, really good people. Um, yeah. So, also don't forget, we're brought to you by PunchDrunkSports.com as well. Find them on Twitter, at PunchDrunk. Uh, good dudes. Jason Tebow got back to me on Twitter. His Falcons are now in the uh, championship game, which is pretty psyched. I'm pretty psyched. By the time you hear this, these games will be resolved. But, um, 
really excited for for these two championship games coming up. And uh, you know, Steelers, Patriots, you know, Falcons and the Packers. I really think if I'm going to call it out. I really think Aaron Rodgers' luck is going to run out. And, yes, I said luck. I think his luck is going to run out. Um, uh, I, man, I come on. You can't call it luck after all these years, can you? A little bit. A little bit. Why not? The dude is a the dude is a leader, and he's got a clutch gene. Come on. Right. I mean, sure. Sure. Okay. All right, maybe, maybe I'm just right. – it's brought on to me from Sean Temmerman. He's like, man, I'm just sick of hearing about Aaron Rodgers. You know, Eli Manning, and he's a Giants fan, so he's like, you know, Eli Manning screws up, and they just, you know, they just freaking crush him. Ugh. And now Aaron Rodgers, it's like, you know, something else went wrong. It wasn't Aaron Rodgers at all. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, but you, you know what, you know what the problem, you know what the problem there is? Aaron Rodgers doesn't look just like Peyton Manning. So, you know what I mean? Eli's always been held to that higher standard his entire life, so. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. It's like Manning. What are you doing? What do you mean you can't make that? I don't know. All right. So, Bills. Bills talk. This is a Bills podcast. Um. All right. So, Sean McDermott. You know, former defensive coordinator of the uh, Carolina Panthers came up the hard way, 42 years of age. Sure. And good for him. Now he's the Bills' 20th head coach. Yeah, I think it's a good sign that he's a 20th head coach. (laughs) You look at the Steelers, they've had three in their entire existence in the NFL. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they do things a little bit differently. A Steeler way. That's what we do here is a Steeler way. Let me tell you about the Pittsburgh Steeler way. There's nothing like the Steeler way. You could be Ben Roethlisberger and have offensive linemen not let women down the hallway. That's the Steeler way. Okay, I guess that was a little wrong. Um, Yeah, so what are your thoughts on him, man? I mean, he's 42 years old. We are both stressed out about it. And... um, which, I mean, 42 is young for NFL head coaching standards. He's like the third youngest coach there is. Right. Which is cool. Which is cool. Yeah. You want to see him grow together, I guess, right? You got to figure Doug Whaley, he found him. And Doug Whaley's going to, quote, unquote, grow with this guy. And everything's going to be all hunky-dory because he found them. I mean, maybe. I'm hoping I'm hoping it all works out like that, you know? That's all I could hope for, really, is can we just hope a guy sticks around to see year five of his contract? Where, like, when your defense is ranked 19th and the ownership gets you everything you need – and your defense is still ranked 19th, injuries or not, um, can we still get 11 guys on the field before somebody runs for 57 yards? Is that cool? Like, can we do that stuff? Um, That's kind of what I'm looking at here. So I'm going to get right to it, man. Uh, We got to start. This podcast is very important. Um, 
I was very nervous personally to do this podcast for a couple weeks. Um, anxiety to do it. I didn't want to just plug in and plug out. Um, I want to be in the right mindset. I don't know about you, Deeks, but I just want to be in the right mindset because this is where the baseline starts. Whatever these guys are telling us now, this is their standard. And this is what they're going to follow for a long time. Example, Rex comes in. He talks defense. He talks about we're going to be the bullies. We're going to be this net. And you thought a number four defense was good? Boom. You know, and he had a lot of hyperbole, car salesman guy, whatever you want to call him. And I bought it, and I love it. I still love it. Um, Now... What we have here is Terry Pagula introduces him, and uh, he pretty much says, like, hey, we were blown away by how, you know, he was their, I believe their first interview. So he's like, we were blown away with Sean McDermott by how organized he was, how much attention to detail he pays. He's got this, that you're going to hear this term used forever when he fails, you know, which is, you know, eventually coaches do get fired, so expect that. But it's going to be the line of, oh, he had this book that it wasn't just scribbles. It was handwritten names of coaches. If he was ever in this position, he'd be a head coach that he would outline to work with. And we're going to go back to that in a few minutes. Um, but, you know, Terry also introduced him as a man of faith and all sorts of stuff. And it's like, you know, right off the bat that he's a man of faith. And, all right, so what? He loves Jesus and he's got a toilet diary. Let's go. Come on. Tell me about tell me about McDermott. I'm just summarizing. Yeah, pretty much. I mean I don't give a flying fuck if he's a man of faith. I'm just gonna fucking say that. Like I don't care. I'm I'm frankly sick of hearing about God in sports, but it, it's okay. Because right, and uh, I mean, this is a quarterback league, and everybody knows that Jesus runs the ball, so. Right, right. It, it's like. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I can't believe it. If you don't believe me, ask Tim Tebow. Yeah, like really, if they're let's be real here. If God is really out there, wouldn't Tim Tebow be a hell of a fucking representative for football? Like really, dude. Like the guy travels in an entourage and you're telling me you can't not get Tim Tebow to be successful at football? Look, that should answer a lot of questions. That's how I look at it. But no, really, faith is cool. If that's what you're into, um, I support you. I support anybody into whatever they want to do. I would never tell somebody what to do or not to, but don't impose this whole faith thing. I don't give a fuck. I don't think it matters, okay? I don't think it, it's like you might as well go to the podium, Terry Pagula, and go, hey, this guy is a straight man. He's not gay. He has a family. You know, like, okay, does it matter if he was gay or not? No, it doesn't matter. Does it matter if he's a man of faith? Like, is that going to put people in your seats to, to say he's a man of faith does that mean he's a good guy because i don't care what subgenre you you are involved in whether that's faith or or whatever the hell 
there's a lot of shitty people who are men of faith. There's a lot of shitty people who can't hold a conversation with people and who can't treat people w- with respect. There's a lot of shitty people who <laughs> happen to like play metal or they're involved in this thing or they're feminists or they're whatever. There's shitty people in every walk of life, every group. This man of faith thing, I don't mean to rail on it for so long. I did not expect to. I just don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Right. Well, I mean, it it sounds good when you equate it with the things that are supposed to go with it. I mean, realistically, like when you think like Christianity and again, I don't I don't do the whole organized religion thing. It's not for me. And I mean, if it's if it's for any of you listeners out there, more power to you. Um, But it's supposed to come with a bunch of of good virtues, you know what I mean? Things like honesty and, you know, compassion for your fellow man, forgiveness, you know, things, things of that nature. But again, you don't necessarily have to be involved with religion to have those characteristics. And there's plenty of people who are involved with religion who don't show any of those characteristics at all ever. And they kind of just, you know, do it for show. So You know, if you're involved for the right reasons, good for you. And I hope, again, you know, that this works the way they think it's going to work, that he brings some of those positive traits to this Bills team, to this Bills locker room. Right. And that's that's what I hope was the ringing endorsement of it. And, and, you know, I hope that's what Terry meant by it. But obviously, you know. I don't want to read into it too much, but I mean, this is also coming from somebody. I grew up Catholic. My mom is straight from Italy. My, you know, my grandma goes to church, you know, on my father's side every Sunday, you know, and, um, I, I did the Catholic thing and I, my best friend growing up, you know, I would go to different churches with him and, you know, whatever it is. And it's like Methodist or Protestant, different things of Christianity. And, you know, there's some good conversations to be had. There's, like, good stuff there. But I just want to let you know, it's not coming from somebody who's just been some antichrist and whatever who hasn't done it. It's just when it comes to sports, I get it. You know, maybe it's a positive influence or whatever. But, man, just be yourself. And even Sean McDermott's intro when he, you know, he right off the bat, thank God. And if that helps him, good. I'm glad because I hope that. What you were saying, Deacon, that, like, people really do live by that code. Like, when you say a man of faith, I hope that means that he really is a good guy because that's what I want to believe. But at the same time, there's men of faith that have, you know, been in the mob, done whatever, done whatever. And you know what, though? All the supporting evidence for Sean McDermott, I'll tell you what. When I – I didn't know much about Sean McDermott, but when John Murphy – and Donald Jones were talking about him on the John Murphy show. Uh, they brought up his bio, and they even admitted too, like, we don't know too much either. And, you know, they interviewed guys that have played for Sean McDermott, who have uh, actually, you know, coached him, like his coach from William & Mary. Um, you know, it, it's like, which, by the way, his coach of William & Mary was coached by Marv Levy, which is awesome. So, um he was a safety at William and Mary walk on. He's, he's got the pedigree of hard work. And, and I mean, you're talking about a guy who was very successful in wrestling and, you know, 
he's let's see he was a national prop champion wrestler in 1992 and 1993 and he got a bachelor's degree at the college of william and mary where he was an all-conference safety in 97 and also receiving the academic all-conference honors in 96 and 97 and the nsca strength and conditioning all-america accolades so as a wrestler um you know right off the bat when i heard that he Turn down wrestling scholarships, which are not easy to come by, to walk on to play football at William & Mary. Uh, a little background on wrestling. I I haven't played really any organized sports except for wrestling in my life, um, except for, obviously, recently hockey. Um, and I did play baseball, so that, I guess that counts. But I, I always felt too small for football. I've always been short, and I tried out for the wrong position, so I honestly got caught. I was like, well, if I can't be a quarterback or a receiver, what's the point? I guess I'm too slow. I didn't realize there was other things like linebacker and safety that I could have probably actually excelled at until, you know, you get too old and you're, like, out of high school. So that's cool. That's my football story of not playing football. But always in the backyard football, you know, that's it. Like, ball hawking, head reading. Um and so I wrestled, and it was the hardest time of my life. It was the most adversity I've ever faced in my life as far as, um, you know, not only it, – it, it's not just wrestling out in, a, in front of your entire high school in, in tights, you know what I mean, in a singlet and touching other men. And it's like back in the day, it's like, oh, what are you, gay? You touch another man? It's like, you know – yeah, dude, exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's like, no, it's not. And, <laughs> that is that is exactly what it is. Right, I guess. But, you know, I just... I, I learned a lot about myself in that process. And it made me a I'm strong... I'm sure you did. It made me a strong person. And uh, as far as mentally, because... You know, we would we would go in and we would like pee in a cup and it would get tested and it would certify you for what weight you could go. And my freshman year, I was 120 and they said I could get down to 100 pounds, like 100 pounds safely without dying. And I was like, get the hell out of here. And next thing you know, I'm averaging like my weight was like 108. I was sucked down to 103, our little division. But in order well, that's to... That's a cool story. I went in, peed in a the cup. They put me on probation. <laughs> So what I'm trying to say is, in order to get my weight down to wrestle at 103, that takes a lot of dedication. And that was only a freshman in high school. And, and I didn't realize it at the time, how tough that was until I got like way older. But just that alone, the football players weren't doing that. The hockey players weren't doing that. They could watch TV and not get hungry. They could get home and eat a pile of McDonald's for all they care. You know, but doing that where you're at Sean McDermott's wait, level, where wait, you're wait. How'd you get this pile of McDonald's? Go back to that real quick. Where do I sign up for this? You don't. You got to play sports where you're allowed to get fat, like football. See Marcel Darius, i.e. <laughs> so what I'm saying yeah. is... <laughs> I'm doing everything I can to be like him except for that stupid fucking hat. You're not doing everything to get like him. You don't care about making money. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't see you putting your hand in the dirt anywhere. Well, I mean, I'm... I I'm, think that's like the worst comparison you could ever have. You look nothing like him. 
I'm stoned. I'm out of shape. I'm late for practice. I don't pay attention to meetings. What, what more do I got to do? Come on, man. Uh, so, so before you awfully derailed me, genius. Um, yeah, it was it was worth it. Yeah, it wasn't. So I, I would, mean, I, I would I, do it again. Anywho, this freaking guy, as he's giggling on Facetime here. Um, for Sean McDermott to get to a level of wrestling where he was a national champion, like, uh, I guess national prep, which is high school. So for him to get to that level, I mean, I wrestled with the kid in high school, uh, John Paul, and he worked his ass off and he was also very talented. Then we had another guy, Mario, who wasn't as talented, but worked his ass off and you got to see a progression where. You just grind and put in the work. You're going to get to where you want to be if you find out what you need to work on and you work on it. You might not be the most talented, but you can get there. And for Sean McDermott to be a, a, a state champ, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Like right there, for somebody at a young age to mentally dive in and sacrifice their body and and have the discipline to pretty much run around and rubber suits like rubber suits i couldn't find them when i was younger so i would actually cut up garbage bags and tape them to my body and run around the block at night and eat a half of an orange and not watch tv because food commercials made me hungry and it it sucked and this is a lot of mental uh it's a it's a very big mental game of discipline and for for sean mcdermott to have that discipline right off the bat He's a state champion wrestler. Like that for me, I think holds a lot more weight than it would with most people. Um, our buddy Greg Morsh, I thought he was a very good wrestler too. He wrestled with we wrestled together in high school, and he's a, a regular listener, caller in the WGR and and you know um, some radio shows here in Rochester. And you've heard him before, and and he's a he was in the same boat, and it's like. That's a hell of a lot of dedication it, it takes for you to 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 sacrifice your body. And for him, it makes a lot of sense that he's super organized. When people talk about being organized and having a game plan, setting goals. This guy, um, he joined in 1998 the Eagles as a scouting administrative coordinator. And um, what do you... Eventually, what he honestly did was the story is, is he went up to the Eagles after college and knocked on the door. I was like, hey, let me, and, let me in the yeah. building. Yeah, and from the sounds of it, they made up a job to give him. I've never even heard that position before. <laughs> right. And then. What, what was that again? Administrative what now? Administrative coordinator. Sort of scouting administrative coordinator. So pretty much he probably laid out a game plan for the scouts of Hollow. He probably coordinated some coffee into some into some coffee cups. He did and brought him up brought him up to the meeting room is probably what he coordinated. Yeah, he also picked up free agents and stuff and his car, draft picks. Um but he held that position until he was assistant assistant to the head coach in ninety nine. So the story goes Andy Reid in Philadelphia really liked him and saw something in him to pretty much take him under his wing. And essentially, you're going to hear this talked about a lot through his entire coaching career. 
He was groomed to be a head coach, Sean McDermott. Okay, keep that in mind during this whole thing. So, he eventually was promoted. um, He eventually became defensive quality control coach and later assistant defensive backs coach. And uh, in 2003, he replaced Steve Spagnuolo as a DB coach. And, And then in 2004, McDermott saw you know, Michael Lewis and Brian Dawkins going to the Pro Bowl for the first time in team history. So that's under McDermott. That's pretty sweet. Dawkins went on to earn two more Pro Bowl berths following the 2005 and 2006 seasons. This is all off Wikipedia. Um, but McDermott then went to linebackers coach in 07, and then when Spagnuolo left to be defensive coordinator, um, you know, he named McDermott secondary coach again. So... Jim Johnson ended up passing away, and he was a legendary defensive coordinator. And that's who, that's really who McDermott was working under. And when he passed, McDermott would take over, he took over as a full-time defensive coordinator. So that's pretty, that's a lot of pressure right there. That's moving up pretty quick because you're talking 2010 you know, 2009-2010 season. I mean, the guy came in the league in 99 as, like, or 98 as a guy knocking on the door, and he's a defensive coordinator. So, again, what does that what does that tell you about this guy? This guy is that guy that he's a grinder. He will do whatever it takes. You know, people are ripping on him. Oh, I don't want a coach with a couch in the office. Yeah, I fucking do. Why? Because he has a couch. He doesn't work hard. You stupid ass. What are you talking about? How about maybe you're comfortable as you're kicking back on your iPad? No, he's probably at his desk and needs a place to crash because he wants to be efficient. You don't become a state champ wrestler without a killer work ethic and a lot of self-evaluation. You just don't have it like that. It just doesn't come like that. Somebody can't just hop into wrestling for one year and win states. That never happens. Bitch, don't tell me how I made it to states. (laughs) So... Uh, he was fired in 2011 as a decor, so he didn't last long. And then he was hired as a defensive coordinator the following year with the Carolina Panthers. So he had a very, very, very good defense with the Carolina Panthers. And yeah, and you, and you know what? The guys down there, they can't say enough good things about him. Like Ron Rivera loves Sean McDermott. Couldn't say enough good things about him after the hire. Yeah, I think uh I think And I mean his players his players love him too. You know, his players I mean everyone has the same thing to say. This dude this dude works his ass off. You get you get guys um what's cool about having Donald Jones on the John Murphy show is you get that that recent player perspective because he's only 28 years old. Um and you get a very recent player perspective, which is only going to be temporary for the next few years, you know? So yeah, he's been, he played, what, as recently as what, 2012, 2013, right? I believe 12. I don't know Something if he played like 13. Uh, yeah, I think he did play 13. I think that was his last, I think that's when, I think that was his last season. So follow me here. Like, with, with that guy, you get a nice perspective where he's like, look, as a player, these coaches and the organization, they seem to not give a shit about us, essentially. Like, when a coaching staff cares about you, 
when they really care about your day and they care about like, you know, your life, that means a lot. And from the sounds of it, Doug Marone was that guy who had discipline, but he didn't care about his players. Rex Ryan cared about his players so much that that discipline could slip because he's not going to ride you. He's not going to be a doucher. Sean McDermott sounds like a blend of both guys where he comes in with the line of respect. He's going to set the tone right off the bat. Uh, they, they said when he even walked in the building, you know, Doug Whaley was walking around him, and Doug Whaley is not a good public speaker. He'll own that himself, I would bet. And I'm not going to crush Whaley at all because they never do. Um, so I'll just tell you, you know, they said that, that Sean McDermott commanded the room kind of thing. You know, he came in, I was like, Hey, nice to meet, you know, and with the players, he's going to do that same thing. And I'm very confident that especially later on, we see the coaches he's been hiring that this is going to be a a very, they're going to be able to communicate to these players. I think very well. And, and it's not going to be some tight, I don't give a shit about you coaching staff or, or head coach like Doug Marone was. Um, it, it's going to be more of a, how are things going? Here's the work ahead of us. Let's get there. And he's going to encourage these people to do their job. And he's hiring all, I think he's hiring the, the right main guys around him. So I really can't wait. To, to just have a new, you know, it's ex- now I'm getting excited to have that. Now that the dust is settled, I'm getting excited to have the tone of what this coach is going to set. And, and you know, accountability is a great word. But, you know, it, it's just a term. Every time there's a new coaching staff, you get your key terms, culture. We got to change the culture. We got to change this. Nah. You know what changes the culture? Just winning games. That's what changes it. And some people want to read into this Doug Whaley interview. After McDermott was hired, uh, some bullshit that, like, maybe he's, like, uh, you know, that Doug Wavy is, like, signifying, like, a rebuild. And it's like, no, idiot. They're talking about the philosophy of the team. They're not talking about personnel rebuild. They're talking about rebuilding the philosophy of the team. And that starts with his head coach. Terry Pagula wants this guy to be the head of the organization. You're not going to see Terry Pagula much anymore. And this guy wants to be the face. And that's what this team needs. Only thing is, is we're probably going to have boring press conferences. I don't know about boring. They ain't going to be Doug Marone boring. Because I do I do think he's a good speaker. But they ain't going to be Rex Ryan. And Rex Ryan was brutally honest with us. Um, and Sean McDermott, I'm excited for because he has a lot of respect, like you were saying, Deeks, from everybody. Everywhere he's been, there's a track record of winning. And, you know, Jim Johnson is not a name to sneeze at. Like, it's, it's, it's not. So, he actually, Jim Johnson actually played for the Bills in 63-64. You know, so, he's, he's a killer, killer, killer defensive coordinator. Like, Still on Wikipedia? Hell, yeah, I'm always on Wikipedia. I had Jimmy pulled up a long back. I'm pretty stoked. I'm pretty stoked. Now, he's hired some good guys, and let's go. I'm going to start with the negative first, and then I'll start with the positive. So the defensive coordinator was hired, but before the off, before, you know what? Let's go in reverse. I'm sorry. 
So for defensive coordinator, I got a great vibe. He brought in Leslie Frazier. And yeah, you love that because you watch the Vikings because your dad is a Vikings fan. Yeah, so I I really like Leslie Frazier. And before he was even hired as the Vikings head coach, um, he he was the coach when Brad Childress got fired. And he became the interim head coach. And then he became the because uh, he was already assistant head coach when he was there too. But when he was an assistant head coach under Childress, Leslie Frazier was like that hot candidate. Oh, he came from Tony Dungy. When you think Tony Dungy, you think Tampa too. Okay, if you want to talk defensive schemes. So right off the bat, you're in his own. So that says a lot about the defensive backs. And we get people like Eric Turner from CoverOne.net. We'll get him on very soon once we, you know, and a few other guys to really break down what we don't know. But you got to think Tampa, too. And the big thing with, with Leslie Frazier is when he was touted for head coaching interviews, which he had a lot of, when he was touted for head coaching interviews, what ended up happening was it was always, oh, he's the, he's the chill guy. He's like Tony Dungy. He's not going to get in your face. He's not going to yell at you. He's laid back. And, you know, he's just going to, he'll tell you straight up what's up. But he's not going to yell at you. He's not going to be pretty much a douchebag. He's not going to treat you like shit. Well, that also dings back to what we talked about with Donald Jones talking. Coach, players want coaches that care about him. So you line up McDermott. You got Leslie Frazier, who players love playing for him. Now, one thing that's cool about Leslie Frazier is on the defensive line in Minnesota, you had Jared Allen. You had Kevin Williams, and you also had the Williams from here, Pat Williams. So you had that Williams wall going on. They pretty much just went straight ahead and did their thing. If you guys like the Jim Schwartz play of simple football, reactionary football, this is what we're going to do. And you're going to see, guys, that our, our Bills defensive line just going straight ahead. This is going to be great. It's not going to be as much thinking. It's not going to be as much bullshit if you didn't like Rex's defense. Because I think in this day and age, simple is better. Even though I was stoked for Re- – I, I think Rex is a, is a mastermind. But if your players can't execute it because you're limited in practice, you're limited in reps, you're limited in guys actually doing their homework because you're too loose of a coach on them, um, then you can't execute your scheme. If you can't, if your players can't execute the play, you can have the best play drawn up. It doesn't matter. So, you know, Jared Allen was awesome. I really like Jared Allen, and, and and so was Pat Williams and Kevin Williams, just freaking studs. And obviously, you know, one of the Williams because he was here with the Bills, and he was shocked when the Bills didn't resign him. Um, or actually, I think Donahue let him go. Sorry. And then he became a pro bowler after he left the Bills. So, cool. Pretty much, I own Jared Allen's jersey. You know, why did I get it? Well, it was a made-in-China thing. It's black, like the, like the Raiders rip off when I have a Stevie Johnson. And I got it because he's number 69, and I am 12 years old. Eh. 
That's all you got. Right. That's the best joke you got. Yeah. Usually you have something way stronger. Uh, Are you even on the podcast? No, no, I quit. So I'm pretty stoked with Leslie Frazier. It's going to be very interesting. Here, um, let me let me scare these Bills fans off of Les- Leslie Frazier. Though I don't want him, I don't want him to not sweat it. So let me make let me make a connection that everyone will hate. All right, so Leslie Frazier. This will be his 18th year as an NFL coach. He's got, I think, seven years experience as a defensive coordinator. He's got what three and a half years experience as a head coach. So he's been around. He's got two Super Bowl rings. He got one with the Colts as a defensive assistant. The other one he got, he got as a player. And if you look at that Super Bowl ring, the team on that ring says Chicago Bears. The year nineteen eighty five. The defensive coordinator, Buddy Ryan. So down way back at the root of all of this. You got that Ryan defense <laughs> looming underneath. You know what though? I think that's awesome. You know, that that's No, I mean he played on a legendary defense. You right. Can't, you can't take that for anything that isn't straight up face value, you know. That's And, that and he, was, that, he was he was a defense he was a defensive coordinator with the Buccaneers and yep. uh to her 14 and 15 and you know, what that'll tell you is uh He's a well-respected well dude, but what I think is smart about Sean McDermott is, um, you know, even Ron Rivera brought this up with his interview on the John Murphy show. Um, he brought up it, it's he's doing something that I didn't do, which is bring somebody with experience. There was times I was lost as a as a first-time head coach, and you got Leslie Frazier there. It's always I know the cliche. It's always better to have somebody who's done it before on your staff, and I mean. Shit, you could have told me you were bringing in Leslie Frazier as head coach, and I might consider it. Now, his record wasn't good. He was 21-32-1. and 32 and one. Um, But as far as, you know, all the hype he had around him before, you know, and by the way, he was playing like Tavares Jackson and like other yeah, garbage. Yeah. So um, Christian Ponder. No, I would have I maybe bid on that. Yeah, and so I'm pretty stoked that he brought him in. So now after that, you know, we're pretty stoked on that. He brought in this uh, this defensive line coach that everybody really likes. I forgot his name. Something Waffle. He is Mike like Waffle. Mike Waffle. He has hard knocks fame for yelling at dudes, telling him, I'll fight him. You'll win, but I'll fight you. And um, there was a player on from the Rams that I, that I heard talk about him, and he um, – he mentioned that he's a coach that he he loves his he, he'll tell you he loves you you know what I mean and and that might sound corny to people but it again dings back to he's a hard ass he's gonna ride you he's an ex marine or something right yeah. yeah he's an ex marine and like he definitely is just like that straightforward hard nosed like um our you know our man Eric over at Cover One there he he threw the clip up on uh, on their page from uh, hard knocks. He's like, I don't want any fucking body language. Like, you, you know, he's not going to, he's not going to put up with anybody's bullshit, which I think is going to create a really interesting dynamic in the room. When you put him in there with guys like Jerry Hughes and Marcel Darius, you know what I mean? Cause like, I see, 
I mean, Darius is a more serious thing because, like, he fucks up again. He's going to miss a ton of time. Like, time games, I believe. Yeah, yeah. You can't, you, you, you can't really joke around about that. But with, like, Jerry Hughes, his little hot temper, go over, headbutt a guy, get a 15-yard penalty, that dude's not going to – that dude's not gonna play play around with that shit. Like, I I want to see I want to see this guy react to that. You know what I mean? It's just such a delicate balance because people are way more sensitive now. The players are way more sensitive. Um, no, you're right. And I was just gonna get to that. I was gonna say like I can only I can only take like the the quote unquote tough love. To an extent, you push me too far, I just get, like, shitty and resentful towards you. You know what I mean? I'm just like, fuck this. This dude's an asshole, you know? And, dude, you and I do that all the time. Like, I'm usually the fucking... Tighten up your fucking boots! What the fuck you doing? And you're like, Dad, stop! And then you get mad at me, and then we just fight. And, like... What's so podcast? <laughs> but it's like, it is... You're right. It's like... That's why we're doing this over the phone, so we don't try to choke each other. I mean, I want to choke you anyways. Um, but that's that's the thing is, like, I've had to learn a way to communicate to my friend, and you've had to learn a way to communicate to me because I have more of that older accountability kind of, like, thing. You're more like more like a hippie, like, ah, we'll get to it. And, I, and I'm... Uh, yeah, we'll get to it and procrastinate it, too. Like, we're both guilty. Did you just call me a hippie? Well, <laughs> you pile of shit. For the record, I hate the Grateful Dead. So remember when you would talk into a mic before and you used to sound like a rapper? Yo, 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 yo! Everybody to the front. Yo, we're here. <laughs> and, I was like, and now you don't. Well, I had to. I had to try to get people excited for what was actually a really awful band. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, yo, yo, yo. You, hey, act like hey. you're, you're, you act like your guitar player had some kind of, like, chin strap going on. It was, like, really pencil thin. Yo. And was wearing, we, like, a jersey. Yo. A you know what? Jersey. We all had, like, chin straps of varying thickness, except for Dean, who still can't grow a beard. Yeah, drunk Dean. I didn't even tell you, because people on the podcast. Dean's got, Dean's got a mustache with eight hairs on it. Dude, I didn't even tell you, because we were on the podcast, but, uh. I guess this really helps Bill's talk. Sorry, guys. We'll get to Rick Dennison in a moment after this brief, dumb story. So, like, how about Dean call me up? This girl, Samara, I've been, Summer, I've been hanging out with. She posted a video of me on Facebook just playing guitar or some shit. And Dean, like, texted me in the morning, yo, let's do a dome band. I'm like, all right, shit. So we decided to jam the other night, uh, last night, actually. And two nights ago, sorry. And he was so drunk. And he kept getting progressively drunker. And he's like, let me tell you something. I'm just trying to make you a better songwriter. And he just kept fucking going and going. And then he's like, Summer has video of him. Like, back leaned against a wall. Still playing his drums. Just, like, half passed out. Because he just, like, wants to play his drums. You can get him so drunk. He drank, like, five beers while we were there. And some of this bad moonshine shit I bought. And he was already drunk from the weight we carry practice earlier like i caught dean in a bad state we would talk about an arrangement and he like wouldn't make it through he would just stop playing no i'm like dude this is what we talked about doing that you agreed to drunk dean was in his finest 
And, oh, dude, we got to make a shirt with Drunk Dean with his just head cocked backwards where he looks decapitated on the bench in my van as we drive back from the games. He is just, uh, he's one of my favorite people. And if you guys have alcoholism in your family or kids, don't worry. Numb Bills Fan Podcast is going to, brought to you by numbbillsfan.com, is going to have, you know, a little program where we'll have... You hang out with Dean. <laughs> Every kids hang out with Dean. You can be like, see, kids? You don't want to be like that. That guy's not just going to break if you drive home from a game like that with Dave driving. He's just going to fall into his drum set. He's going to stab his eye out one day. It's going to be awful. I don't. You, you don't want to lose an eye. Yeah, I, I kind of feel guilty because I feel like it's probably my fault. He can't. He can't grow facial hair even though he's like, you know – Damn near thirty at this point. Yeah, he's he's growing a little bit more. He's got like a little bit of rubbish on his chin, man. Yeah, no, I mean he's yeah, trying. Rubbish is the word here. I mean, I feel like I I shouldn't give him all that booze when he was like <laughs> a preteen. <laughs> yeah, but you need a drummer though. But yeah, he's the only yeah he's the only one we knew who played drums, and we gave him a bunch of booze, and now. A DWI I mean, later. It, it, it didn't stun his growth. He's he's tallish. I mean, he was pretty tall then, though. Like, he might have been a lot taller. We might have done him a favor. He might have been a freak. First of all, so Dean, you're welcome. But I think it I think it stunted the growth of his facial hair because like that that goatee thing he thinks he has on his chin. It looks like Homer Simpson doing a headstand. All right. <laughs> Oh my God! Whoa, <laughs> but Dean, I love you, buddy. I hope you don't listen to this anymore. It's the off season. Dean, are you a man of faith? Are you listening? Uh, yeah. So, uh, all right. So, yeah, we jammed, and the the kid just freaking passed out. I got a long video of it. Um, it's pretty crazy. He's very special, but it was a good time. It was a good time. All right. So, Rick Dennison. All right, real quick. Um, we're on our final 10 minutes here of this thing. So Rick Dennison has been named the offensive coordinator. Now let me take you to the world I was in. Um, if you go on our Twitter and I'm sure it'll eventually, I think it's up on our Facebook. Um, yeah, yep. The, our face, your, your Facebook stream to be fair. My, my, my tweets aren't there. Just yours. Okay. Which is all right. Cause my tweets are always just the same thing. Just me sharing the episode. If you want, if you want to talk to me some action, Get on Facebook. That's where I'm at. I don't do the Facebook. Talk to Deacon there. Follow Numb Bills fan on both. Actually, I do the Facebook. So I'm saying, just just know that usually the Facebook is me, and usually the tw- and the Twitter is almost always Dave. So we had this coach get hired. Um, Kelly Skipper is a linebackers coach or a running backs no, coach. Running backs coach. Yeah, and he was a Raiders running backs coach from 07 to 14, and the Jags 15 to 16. Now. Darren, yeah. Darren McFadden was behind him. He was a good running back if he didn't get hurt. Um, Jags had Chris Ivory, you know, some good running backs. And I haven't done too much research on him. We'll get into him in the offseason. But hearing the Jaguars thing was like, oh, man. And then you had this guy, Greg Olson, who's going to get interviewed. He was with the Jaguars. And I believe they hired the Jaguars tight ends coach, didn't they? Something like that. So, or I could be totally wrong. Never mind I even said that shit. I guess it could stop No, it. they... They they hired uh, the the tight ends coach they hired was the Rams offensive coordinator. 
Okay. So, you know, you're hearing Rams, you're hearing Jaguars. And we have to keep in mind, because I was about to go off the deep end. You have to keep in mind something. These guys are coaching positions. They're not calling plays. And are they getting these players better? And that's what I want to know. So that's all that matters. But when you're hearing names like Greg Olson, who's the offensive coordinator that just got fired, you know, I was not about him until I saw a picture of him, and he looks like my dad's bass player, Uncle Jerry, where he's got long hair. He looks like a younger Uncle Jerry. And, you know, I was like, oh, man, I could get down with this guy. And, by the way, Uncle Jerry did throw me in a ceiling fan when I was a baby. Explains a lot. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> like, he loves to tell the story. I'll have him tell the story. I'll call him up one day for the podcast. But, yeah, he, he was, like, tossing me up in the air, and he just, like, threw me in a ceiling fan and went, dit, 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 dit. he sat me down, said, I'm sorry. And he just left and then talked to my dad for like a month. I don't, I mean, I don't blame him. So uncle Jerry is the offensive coordinator. I don't know. You just got fired from the Jags. This and that, but he was credited for setting up the, the Raiders with Derek Carr. And, but he, I think got fired from the Raiders too. It's, I don't, I was not stoked. I was not in a good mindset. And what ended up happening is I called Eric Turner up on at cover one.net and I called him up and I, and I really wanted to talk to him. I just left him a, a, a voicemail and I was like very concerned and I didn't expect it, but my voicemail ended up getting played on, uh, he made a video out of it to all the guys I was talking about. And it was awesome. It's a two minute video. And if you're used to me being the ultra positive guy, the ultra objective person on this, um, it, it, it was, I was out of my shell. I was out of my shell. I was not the, the usual me on the podcast. Yeah. Now you were you were freaking out. I was over here on Twitter trying to calm you down. I'm like, oh, relax, bud. Our offensive coordinator is probably just still in the playoffs. No big deal. You're like, nah, man, I don't like it. I don't like it, man. I was shitting my pants because why, you know, I'm thinking in my head, you sit down with Terry Pagula and you got this great fucking book and that guy's name is in the book. As an offensive coordinator, that guy's name was in the book. You had Greg Olson, you had Brad Childress, and you had Greg Olson? Yeah, no, I'm saying, like, we missed on McCoy. Like, that didn't go down. The Childress thing didn't go down. And then, like, Greg Olson decided, hey, I'd rather go be the Rams quarterbacks coach than be the offensive coordinator of the Bills. Like, it starts not the, – the search starts looking like it's not really going well. So, like, you weren't wrong to freak out, you know? Because, again, that was like the third guy who was like, eh, I'd rather not, you know? Because you have to assume that Mike McCoy knew the opportunity was there. I mean, because it was, it was being talked about openly. So you have to assume before he took the uh, position in, in, what, Denver, he uh, he was aware that there was interest. So, and, you know, obviously that interest wasn't mutual. So it was starting to get discouraging. And you were you were completely out of your shell. You were off your rocker, dude. You were flipping out. Oh. It's a great dude, it's a great video. We shared it on our Facebook page, or you can find it if you go back a little bit on the cover one page. 
And make sure you go check them out. They got a lot of great stuff going on. Uh, you know, Eric worked, did a great uh, profile when they hired McDermott, great coaching profile. Uh, Nate Geary from WGR, he's been he's been doing like an ongoing uh, draft big board, and that's all over at CoverOne.net. Can't say enough good things about those guys. Make sure you go check that out. I, I looked at it like, um, you know, I, I said pretty much the, this team needs to pull the rabbit out of the hat. This has to be something. Well, guess what they did? This guy named Rick Dennison was brought in, okay? And what's sweet about that is nobody heard about this interview. There was no tells that this guy was going to get interviewed. It was great. Right. It wasn't even, like, one of the names that was, like, on the list of, like, guys the Bills should consider. Because we had, like, a bunch of, like, Alex Van Pelt and other shit like that floating around. And, I mean, and, you know, at this point, I'm not even going to get in, into it any farther than that because... I would have taken Alex Van Pelt. That would have been great, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean... But he was still in the playoffs, and, and right. I, but that, which right. isn't a good excuse, but it's like... I'm... You know, when you look at this Denison guy, okay, people will say he's 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 been in the league for 22 years, okay? So that's another experienced coach off the bat. We're talking experience, experience, experience. Right, yeah, they're loading this staff up with experienced guys, guys that were coordinators, guys that were head coaches, guys that have been around and, you know, no one that has like a real like glaring blemish on their coaching history. You know, no one great, but no one that's like famously blown it. You know, i.e. Rex Ryan, and then Rob Ryan, and you you know what I mean, guys, guys who have been dragged through the mud, so to speak. Like, and, and you know, while we're on the topic of Dennis, and that's. That's a name that, I mean, that, that almost feels like prestigious in a way because of what he was able to get done with Peyton Manning, you know, pretty much duct taped together out there. Yeah, and... and His last season, he looked like shit, man. His, you know, his age really showed. And the thing is, is, uh, you know... He was the recent offensive coordinator, so for the Denver Broncos, and um, he actually played in the league for eight years with the Broncos. Was in some Super Bowls, and he has won. You know, he was an offensive assistant. You know, so it's kind of cool that he was a linebacker and he goes to the offensive side of all ninety-five, ninety-six, and. He was on a he was on a Broncos coaching staff from ninety five through two thousand nine. He was eventually an offensive line coach, offensive coordinator, special teams coach, offensive assistant. This guy's been around. So he goes to the Houston Texans, okay? And now he's worked with Jay Cutler, who did good in in Denver. You know, he was also the offensive coordinator for the Texans from two thousand ten to two thousand thirteen under Kubiak. Now the thing is is Gary Kubiak called the plays, okay? Um, Shanahan, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he called the plays because if he has never mm -hmm. called the plays as a word on the street uh, for Denison, 
I don't think it's anything to worry about because it's not an idiot. And if anything, he's ready to call plays. I mean, stop. I think that shit's so overrated. Your players have to execute the play. That's it. Um, so what I'm getting at here is if you look at the Texans, you know, Matt Schaub had some really good years under this guy. You look at the Baltimore Ravens, he was a quarterback's coach. His coach, Tyrod Taylor. Connect those dots if you want to. He already knows what he is, and that could be a positive for Tyrod or that could be a negative. But if you were to tell me, say you want to go glass half full, that this motherfucker was going to work with Tyrod Taylor and maybe they brought him in here to help that, to let's build on what we already have, that was my biggest concern about flipping out was I was flipping out because if you're going to undo this damn offense that worked well, you better bring somebody in with some kind of credentials. I'm thinking LaShawn McCoy at the end of his career, last four to five years of his career, because I think he's going to play a long time. He hasn't taken big hits. Um, I don't care about his age. I don't. But it's going to be four to five more years. I'm hoping he's still playing. And I, I just can't imagine... These veteran players, especially on offense, you know, this lines together. It's not a rebuild. It's like, no, we got to get these players in position. If they bring in some bum, like I think, like Greg Olson, like get the hell out of here. Get the hell out of here. Now, here's the deal. Dennison was off as a coordinator 15-16 for the Broncos. Okay, look at what Trevor Simeon did. You know, um, not bad. Really not bad. And he already knows what you have in Tyrod. Well, guess what? This guy runs more of his scheme is more of a zone blocking scheme, people would say. So that's great for a guy like LaShawn McCoy. And he's a run heavy guy. I mean, look at CJ Anderson out there in Denver. I mean, I'm I'm so stoked on this hire, it's not even funny. This is exactly, exactly the guy that I wanted the Bills to bring in as offensive coordinator. Somebody who's worked with a plethora of quarterbacks, somebody who has Ben under some great guys. I think Gary Kubiak is a fine coach. It's unfortunate he has health issues now. But you're telling me that Gary Kubiak isn't in this guy's corner? Right. Yeah. And, I mean, again, his his time he spent with Tyrod, you can't dismiss that. I really hope that isn't indicated that Tyrod's going to be here to stay, I mean, at least for now. you got I, As far as I'm concerned, you've got to activate his contract. You have to. I'm pretty stoked about this hire. Um, and a I mean, lot this guy was literally like campaigning to get him to the Broncos when Tyrod was a free agent heading into the 2015 season. Well, Gary Kubiak was. I don't know about this guy. Was he too? Is that what came out? Well, that. Well, you got to remember the year before that he was Tyrod's. Oh, coach. that's right. That's right. Who do you who do you think probably campaigned the hardest? to Kubiak on Tyrod's behalf. 100%, man. You are 100% right. He's probably actually where that interest came from. I'm done here, man. I, I feel like we, we covered some good ground. Um, look, the offseason will be long. We're going to take these coaches, and we're going to break them down. We'll talk schemes. We'll talk stuff we don't know about. We'll talk former players or different ideas. This is the funnest part about a new coaching staff change is really now we have some ground to cover. And when we started this podcast, we never got to go through the transition. Rex Ryan was just hired and you didn't get to see the emotional side I had towards 
Doug Marone, which is more of that call concern I had to Eric Turner at CoverOne.net. So, um, right. Well, I mean, things are about to get real, 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 real interesting because the high number of players that are ready to hit free agency if we don't sign them gives this new coaching staff almost half of an entire 53-man roster to work with. And, and there's a lot of there's a lot more Moving coaches forward. to be hired too. Still, by the way, I I, ha- I haven't heard of Sanjay Lyle being released. Um, Danny Crossan will remain as the special teams coordinator, which I am not down with. But maybe it's the kicker. I don't know. So, um, well, they, yeah, I hope they got some ideas about that. Yeah, I'm with you. So maybe the Panthers had a hot young kicker come through the. Uh, the practice squad or something. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, Find a nice boy from Christian college. Oh, geez. I'm <laughs> such a dick. You're so wrong. All right, so, yo, we're out of here. Numbillsfan.com. If you got a bong, rip it in favor of us. Whoa, let's be pros here. Um, sorry about the tapping noise. That was Deacon repacking, apparently. Um, and, uh, see, you're giving me this look like, what are you even talking about? You heard that? No, you didn't. Yeah. Glass on the table, dude. Don't worry about it, dog. Yeah. We can, we can hear you over here typing on Wikipedia cause you don't know any of your notes. Dick. Do you even know how to write? Yeah. I got a pen in my hand right now. What's that say? What's that say? All right, anyways, numbillsfan.com, billsforlife.com, punchdrunksports.com. Don't forget, Wednesday, 7 p.m., facebook.com, numbillsfan. We go live, we talk our baloney, and look forward to a great offseason. We're going to have, I have so many big plans. Um, I'm going to have uh, some some podcasts called Going Deep, where it's going to be pretty much some conversations. I have some guests in mind, former players, um, that, one, I'm pretty sure I can get. He didn't play for the Bills, though. But it'll be a conversation about pretty much weed in the NFL, which I think is a very interesting topic. Um, so, And, and we get, we'll get a peek behind the curtain. So we'll have some going deep segments, and there should be some good off-season content. And, you know, we might not know the draft that well, but we will have people on who do follow the draft, who are nerds about it or are passionate about it, whatever you want to call it. So... As always, numbillsfan.com. You want an objective fan opinion, I guess. I hate to say fan because I don't feel like a reporter, though, either. But, you know, keep checking us out. Tell your friends you like us. Find me on Twitter, numbillsfan. Good guy. Shut up. Wrap it up. Where are we? (laughs) Find find highguy45 on Twitter at numbillsadamd. Um, well, it's officially 2017. The senior bowl just kicked off. So let's get a look at some prospects coming up. I guess more coaching hires. Can't wait to hear about it. We're out of here. Peace. All right, buddy. See ya. See you next time. Hold on. Let me click it off. There we go.